Well, good afternoon, everyone, and hope you are having a fabulous Friday. Welcome to this week's Fireside Chat. I'm Lisa Stearns, and here with Dr. Tim Cross, our Senior Vice President. We'll be updating you today, as usual, on the latest information regarding COVID-19 cases within the university, and then we'll be sharing some next steps in returning to the workplace. So a couple of reminders, remember to keep your audio muted during the chat. Use the chat function on Zoom to ask any questions. You can post them publicly or you can send them privately to me. And of course, a recording of this session will be made and posted to the UTIA coronavirus website. You can find that link on our homepage at utia.tennessee.edu. Tim, how does the current case count look for the university and the institute? Well, good afternoon once again, Lisa, and uh, hello everyone. Hope you've all had a good week. Uh, I feel like it's been a, a flurry uh, of, of uh, activities, uh, meetings, and so forth in my office, but it's been a good week, and uh, and I trust you can all look back and say something similar or feel similarly at least. Uh, let's jump right in and talk a little bit about uh, where we're at uh, in terms of our COVID cases. And then as Lisa mentioned, I wanna talk a little bit about planning for the future as well. So we'll get into that shortly. So let me see if I can pull up uh, our uh, data for this week. And I've kept with the same format, same charts and so forth to hopefully make it easier to to glance at this and, and be familiar with it for those of you that have been on uh, for several weeks in a row. So we'll start out uh, looking at university-wide, uh, our numbers uh, today. And if you look at the university-wide active positive cases, you'll see that it's sort of much like it has been uh, for the past uh, eight weeks or so, uh, actually the past uh, almost 12 weeks, I guess now, uh, with a very low number of uh, uh, university-wide active positive cases ever since the decline uh, in mid-September. So uh, today we're looking at uh, 57 students uh, that are active positive cases and a total of 13 employees. And just as a reminder, those numbers include uh, the UTIA numbers as well. So that's across uh, all of both Knoxville campus and the Institute of Ag campus. So those are the, the individuals, number of individuals that are actively positive today. And if you then uh, look at uh, how many, whoops, and I've forgotten to even start my slideshow here. If you then go to uh, uh, our isolations, those who are in isolation uh, for either the reason that they've had direct contact with the positive case or that, that uh, they are a positive case themselves. Uh, again, we're at approximately the same numbers we've seen uh, for the last several weeks with 261 students uh, currently in isolation and 52 employees uh, in uh, self-isolation as well. So the story uh, from the university uh, is, is again, much the same as what we've seen. So let's shift from, from university-wide to looking specifically at the Institute of Agriculture. And again, I, I think it's much the same. So I'm gonna sound a bit like a broken record here. Uh, today, uh, we have three active positive cases in the Institute. And as you can see, our numbers have ranged anywhere from one to six uh, over, since uh, mid-August. So our numbers have really stayed quite constant uh, throughout that entire time period. And we're really glad, of course, to see uh, such low numbers. So active positive cases three as of today, and, and that's for employees. 
And then uh, number of self-isolations, uh, which again includes uh, those active positive cases. Today, uh, we're looking at 10 uh, across uh, the Institute of Ag and that uh, for the UTI numbers, that's on campus and off campus. So uh, again, looking all the way back to uh, mid to late August, uh, numbers look quite steady there. We saw a little bit of an increase uh, in September and then a bit of a jump uh, in mid-October, but here we are at the end of the month back down uh, to uh, approximately 10 today. So uh, much, uh, much positive there in, in terms of uh, our experiences uh, in our number of cases. And that's uh, to me in, in vivid contrast to what I'm about to share because uh, next I'll show uh, the data that we're looking at right now for the U.S. And this is not a pretty picture uh, in terms of uh, active positive cases. Uh, as, as you've probably seen or heard, uh, the number of uh, positive cases, daily new cases is increasing quite dramatically. Uh, we're actually beyond where we were uh, last July uh, in terms of the number of new active cases per day and uh, no sign yet that that has reached a peak. So we're gonna have to watch that obviously very carefully. Uh, this I think to some extent was expected uh, due to the colder weather, due to more people being indoors and, and perhaps in, in more regular contact, uh, closer proximity. Uh, nonetheless, uh, these are, this is not the way we want this chart to look. We'd sure rather see a, a downward slope than an upward slope. So. For the U.S., uh, we're seeing uh, upwards of 70,000 plus new cases per day. That's not good at all. And for Tennessee, uh, similar story, not quite as dramatic, but uh, we're also seeing an increasing number of cases uh, within the state of Tennessee as well. Uh, we had driven cases down to uh, about 1,200 cases per day back in September and now here in October, we're approaching 3,000 new cases per day. So it's, uh, I'm sorry, active positive cases is actually what that represents. So our number of cases is, has increased uh, statewide as well. And you can see uh, it's varied quite a little bit from day to day, but uh, in general, again, the trend is positive and upwards. And that's exactly <laughs> Uh, opposite of what we'd like to see. We'd like to see a negative slope uh, and a downward trend. So uh, right now, uh, off campus, it looks like uh, things are quite challenging. So I know that it is impossible to know what the future holds, but uh, to your best of, best of your ability and in, in, in just looking at the data, what does the outlook for spring 2021 look like? Well, I think that's a great question. And obviously I don't have a good crystal ball. So I think what, what we're looking at going forward, we've got to think about what the needs are, what, uh, what our responsibilities are, and, and certainly uh, how we go about meeting those needs in the future. Uh, I think it's pretty clear to me and probably to each of you, uh, COVID-19 isn't going away anytime soon. We don't, uh, don't expect the number of cases, active cases per day to go to zero anytime in the, in the near future. We hear a lot about vaccines, we hear a lot about therapeutic treatments and so forth, and that's all positive. However, the charts I've just shown you, you know, don't, don't uh, cause me to think that, that we're gonna hit, um, you know, a solution or uh, uh, really uh, stop this pandemic anytime soon. 
So with that in mind, I think to myself, gosh, uh, we've demonstrated on campus and across our institute, off campus as well, that we can stay healthy and avoid workplace transmission uh, if we do the things that we keep talking about every week, wearing masks, washing hands, completing our daily health check and, and uh, making sure we pay attention to that and staying home when we're sick and certainly maintaining social distancing. Uh, I think as I consider our institute and, and higher ed in general, I feel like what we do really does change lives. And I think uh, our, the ability that we've had to change lives has been severely impacted the past eight months uh, as we've uh, changed the way we do things. Uh, we've certainly uh, approached things in different ways and that's been positive. But I feel like uh, if you talk to students, you'll hear them say it's been acceptable, but it hasn't been great. Uh, they would like more interaction, more engagement. I suspect if we talk to uh, other audiences and groups that we serve, we would hear much the same. I have had some of that feedback from 4-Hers, both uh, youth and parents. Uh, so I think we really need to think about how to scale up, but do so uh, following all those practices I just said, and bearing in mind that uh, for the past uh, several months, we've demonstrated that we could keep our numbers low, even when uh, the rest of the country and, and uh, the rest of the world, for that matter, has been experiencing uh, significant increases. So I, I think about the fact that students are going to be going home from campus, at least in late November, and they won't return until January 20th. So we've got a long break. Uh, that does a couple of good things here on campus, at least. Uh, it allows for all the facilities to be uh, very thoroughly cleaned and sanitized and, and let everything have a rest, if you will. But it also gives us two months when our campus uh, is gonna have a very low population. And so I think uh, particularly here on campus, we can use uh, December and January to uh, bring some of our folks back, if you will, uh, get some experience uh, with an increased physical presence, uh, with the notion of maybe we wanna scale up to about 50% or so uh, across uh, our campus and our offices, and do that at a time when, at least uh, again on campus, our, the total number of people on campus will be low. Now, as we do that, I think certainly we wanna keep monitoring our data very carefully. And if we see uh, a prolonged uh, spike in our numbers, uh, and by prolonged, I mean several days, not several weeks or months, but if we see the numbers uh, change dramatically, then I think we, we need to say, all right, that's not gonna work. We need to uh, you know, scale back down again and uh, just keep monitoring uh, that, that situation very carefully. Uh, I think that that gives us an ability to get some experience uh, with, with a few more people present, uh, but uh, also do so safely uh, and when the, there's a, a smaller number of people around. So uh, that's kind of what I think we need to be uh, planning for and moving towards, uh, and I'm calling it for spring of 2021, but basically uh, beginning with uh, the academic spring semester, if you will. And I'm, I'm thinking uh, that, that we need to do that not only on campus, but across the state uh, to uh, begin to fulfill all of our responsibilities uh, towards changing lives, improving lives uh, even more than, than what we have been uh, the past several months. So that, that's my outlook at this point in time, Lisa. 
So in thinking through that, how might that look for our offices then starting in December and how will we determine this staffing to bring it to 50%? So the last thing I wanna do is, uh, is manage this from my office on an office by office basis. This really needs to be done carefully and thoughtfully, just like uh, our, our past uh, increases in staffing. So I think we should continue to look at this uh, at each of our offices, each of our locations, and, and rely upon our deans, department heads, directors uh, to really uh, make plans within each of our offices as to how we go about scaling up. And I think as they do that, they in turn should continue to think about staggered schedules where some people come in one day, some another. Uh, they should think about rotation. Maybe uh, some come in in the morning and some in the afternoon. I mean, there's a lot of different approaches so that we don't have everyone back uh, all at the same time. This is not a, an, an approach to saying all hands back on deck. That, that's certainly not the case. I, I think this is a matter of scaling up from where we're at. Uh, and again, we're talking about scaling up towards the, the spring academics uh, semester, uh, but moving towards that using staggered schedules, rotations, and other options so that we're maybe approaching 50% staffing uh, at any point in time. Now, as I say that, I know some of you are saying I'm in a high-risk category. I've got an underlying health condition. Don't make me come back to work. And uh, let me just say right up front, we're not going to. Uh, we've got procedures already in place uh, that anyone with uh, an underlying condition can actually request a reasonable ADA accommodation through our Office of Equity and Diversity. And as we move further into this, we'll make sure everyone has information about that so that if they feel like there is no way that, that they can be uh, back in the workplace at any time during this pandemic, then, then we've got a way to uh, really uh, document that without anyone having to have uh, personal health conversations within their own office. So there's a, there's a process uh, out there for that. We're not ready to, to push everyone that direction, if you will, but I want to make sure you know we do have that process and we'll use that uh, going forward. I also know that some of you are going to be thinking to yourself, I've, I've been able to do my job very effectively and, and very successfully for the past eight months. I'd just as soon keep working entirely remotely. Uh, and if that's the case, I think uh, it's probably time to start to uh, talk about establishing uh, indefinite plans to work remotely for, for such employees. And I think that uh, clearly needs to be a conversation uh, that starts between the employee and, and his or her supervisor. And then uh, we can uh, develop uh, more formalized uh, remote working plans uh, for individual employees uh, that do feel like they can uh, function very well and, and whose supervisor agrees that all the responsibilities are being uh, performed uh, as needed. Uh, so for those employees, uh, there's an option certainly to continue working remotely and do so indefinitely. And, and even for those employees, I think we should continue to plan to offer what I'll call hot space or flexible space uh, because they may occasionally still need to come back to our, our campus or our offices in order to complete certain tasks or responsibilities or be present for meetings. So uh, there's options uh, to, to consider in, in terms of uh, an indefinite remote working uh, plan as well. So 
out of all of this, I think uh, what we're trying to do is just get a view towards how things might work in the spring. And we want to start talking about it now, because if we wait to talk about it until the spring, it'll be too late to prepare. So that's why uh, as, as we see cases spiking, here I am talking about scaling up, but it's because we don't want to spring uh, new ideas or new approaches on anyone at the last minute. I think we should think about it now. And then if it's clear that uh, this won't work, that uh, we're experiencing increases ourselves, we can always uh, scale back again. So I'm sure some are out there asking <laughs> what you just said, and that is really how can we scale up when cases are soaring all the way around us? Yeah, it, it seems a bit ironic, doesn't it, to, to be uh, for me to say, well, we're seeing record high cases in the U.S. Uh, great news. We're going to scale up because of that. Uh, and that's really not not part of my thought process. I, I guess as I look at it, I see um, four months of data for the university and for the institute that shows very low and very uh, flat uh, numbers of active positive cases and self-isolations among employees. We've not documented any transmission of coronavirus among students and employees in our classrooms, in our offices, or in our laboratories. So I feel like if we continue to follow our established practices, we can scale up safely. And again, if we see a spike, we'll scale back down again. I'm, I hope you know me as someone who says, uh, if something's not working, I'm not afraid to back up on it. Uh, I don't feel like I'm perfect. I don't have perfect uh, vision of the future, but I also feel like uh, we change lives. People depend on us. And while we've done a great job in being creative, addressing the needs of stakeholders, I think it's also time to acknowledge that these current conditions are likely to continue uh, for the foreseeable future. And we just need to think about how to really uh, continue to ramp up our classroom teaching our youth development, uh, critical research activities, our, our service, uh, clinical service, and other kinds of service, uh, so that the people in the state of Tennessee uh, get what they've expected from us and what they've appropriated for us in terms of funding and support. So I just feel like now is the time to start making plans for that and to, to make those plans carefully and, and thoughtfully, not have to do it at the last minute, uh, but to grow into uh, this a little bit over time bearing in mind that we may have to uh, adjust or reset at any point in time. So that, that's my, my thought process. And, uh, and I think others are, are feeling much the same way. I've heard a lot of input from others about really want to be back in the classroom. Or I really want to be able to have uh, a little more contact uh, with my coworkers or my peers. So uh, hopefully this might uh, give us an opportunity to move that direction, but do so safely. So now's everyone's opportunity to ask any questions that they might have. We do have one. Um, and that is, what about parents with children in virtual school? The deadline to change for Knox County uh, is today. So what should those parents be thinking? Well, I didn't realize the deadline was today, but uh, I, I suspect every school district has their own deadline. And uh, I know that's gonna be a challenge. Well, you know, I think uh, again, um, Parents with children may have some challenges, certainly. And I, I've had four children of my own. I say I've had, I mean, I still have four children, but uh, they're not kids anymore. So I, I remember uh, the, the pressures and the stresses, as well as the, the, the fun of being a parent with uh, 
children in school. Uh, I think what we've got to do is, is obviously reach some, some balance, right? You've got to do what's best for your family. On the other hand, we, we have a responsibility to carry out our duties uh, as, as employees of the university uh, based upon the, the support that we receive. So I think that probably starts with a conversation uh, with your supervisor and, and we just have to tackle these uh, situations one by one uh, and, and determine what, what makes the most sense. I think uh, we got to be fair to one another too, right? Uh, someone who has no children shouldn't be expected to work every day because their coworker has children, right? Uh, we, we can't uh, be unfair to one another in this process either. So maybe it's a matter of working out an opportunity or a schedule where uh, a family with children, the spouses alternate weeks or alternate days uh, in which uh, they come to the office. Now I've just made an assumption that there's two spouses and I, <laughs> I recognize that's a, you know, not a bad assumption on my part, but I think you get the idea. Maybe we can, you know, figure out with caregivers or, or uh, uh, daycare or uh, other opportunities how we can balance out the needs between family uh, and the workplace. So do you envision that each um, supervisor will now be working with their teams to figure out how to um, make a plan, I guess, or 50% occupancy? You know, my intention today is to make everybody start thinking about this. Mm -hmm. um, and that was poorly stated. I can't make you think about anything. Uh, what I'd like to do is motivate folks to start thinking about this. And that includes our supervisors as well as all of our faculty and staff and student employees. Uh, you know, I don't expect that by Monday we're going to have all this down to the last person in the last office and, and every last detail. But uh, I know that it, we, we live in a time of extreme uncertainty, and I, I think it's time for us to sort of nail down our approach to some extent uh, and to the degree we can by starting to make some plans uh, so that, uh, again, this isn't a surprise at the last minute for anyone, uh, and so that we can um, develop plans that make sense in, in each office. So, my intention would be uh, the next several weeks, we'll follow up uh, with some support for our supervisors who in turn uh, can, can work with each of you uh, developing uh, more specific plans within each office. And we might mention that a message is going out to everyone after the chat, just so for those that haven't joined today, we'll, we'll also get the same information. Yeah, that's right. Everyone here gets extra credit, but uh, for the rest of the organization, they'll just get it in black and white. So. <laughs> Hopefully uh, it'll be a consistent message though as well. Well, um, we actually have no other questions. So do you have some final remarks you'd like to share? Oh, you know, I always like to have the last word, but uh, gosh, I can't believe there's no more questions. Uh, but let me make sure you all know, you can always push back. You can always respond. You can always challenge me. I hope this isn't viewed as simply a one-way conveyance of of uh, information or communication. I don't want to be one way about things. It's hard to have uh, really uh, engaged dialogue with uh, 100 plus individuals, but uh, I, I do hope that each of you uh, feel like you've got an opportunity to say, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Uh, so while you may not be uh, <laughs> comfortable saying it to this whole group, if you've got some thoughts or ideas, let me encourage you to let me know, let your supervisor know, uh, Let's, let's stay in touch. My, my intention here isn't to raise stress or uh, 
uh, increase uh, the turmoil that, that we've got way too much of today anyway. Uh, just wanna get us to start thinking towards the future. Uh, think about how to make some plans that will keep us all safe, but that will continue to, uh, to serve uh, Tennesseans as well. So with that in mind, it, it does seem to me like the one of the huge things we've lost for the past eight months is certainty. You know, it seems like everything is so uncertain right now. I hope as I've outlined this, this approach for the spring, it does help you to, to think about plans and to prepare and, and by doing that, maybe reduce a little uncertainty at least. We do have, uh, I think, a very serious responsibility to our state and all of our communities and our students uh, to provide real life solutions and to continue to improve lives. Somebody reminded me the other day that uh, their, their university experience changed the course of their whole life. You know, it set their career, it, it uh, gave them the opportunity to, to meet their future spouse, uh, who in turn, they had children together. I mean, they talked about how significant their, their time at, at the university was. And I just think we can't underestimate the impact that we have and therefore the responsibility that we have. So uh, along with that responsibility of others, of course, remember, we have a responsibility to protect ourselves uh, as well as one another. So keep wearing your masks, keep your distance from others. Uh, you've been doing a great job and that's obvious by our numbers, uh, but we want to keep that as well. And we don't want to uh, in any way misinterpret what I've said is uh, everything's great, go back to work just like normal. Uh, we, we can't do that. We've got to continue uh, following our standard safety practices that have been in place for several months now. And as we do have some time, let's work towards plans for the spring. We don't have to do this tomorrow, as I said, it doesn't have to be done overnight, but let's start to think thoughtfully about what the future holds. Stay in close touch uh, with your supervisor uh, and let's focus on wrapping up this year on as positive a note as possible while we get ready for all the challenges that we'll face in 2021. I'm confident we can uh, have a great year uh, uh, next year and, and I really feel good in many, many ways about how we've gotten through uh, 2020 thus far. So we're not at the end of the year yet clearly, but uh, we do need to be uh, thinking about the future while we uh, wrap up this year. So uh, with that, I want to thank everyone for joining us once again. Uh, I know once a week comes uh, quite regular, and uh, <laughs> I think Lisa and I know that as well as anyone, but uh, each of you has dedicated time and set aside time for this. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, it means a lot. Actually, uh, there is one other question. <laughs> so Somebody would uh, like some clarification on public meetings and are those still limited to 50 participants? Yeah, great question. So everything I've said doesn't change any of our state guidance uh, at all. And, and currently we're still limited uh, to 50 participants in public meetings. We've provided uh, exceptions to a number of meetings and I, I know at least one of our regional uh, uh, extension directors is with us here today. Uh, I know of several public meetings across the state that have happened. By and large, most of those meetings have been in outdoor facilities or in facilities that were very large that allowed for social distancing. So there are still restrictions, but there again also are exceptions if we can figure out a way to do things uh, safely uh, and in the right venue. So uh, let's not again just throw up our hands and say, okay, it's business as usual. 
we're still going to have socially distanced classrooms uh, and meetings and events and activities uh, should be held to 50 or less. But if it needs to be larger, let's just make all the accommodations that will enable that to be done safely. Great question. Great question. And even in our offices, we need to be thinking about that as well. Definitely. Yeah. So I, when I'm here in the office, uh, either Trish or Tammy is, is outside the door normally, but not both of them at the same time. And when I go out to talk to them, I put my mask on. When they come in to see me, they put their mask on. But meantime, if we're not together, we're, we've got our mask off and we're working. And it, it seems like uh, things are functioning quite well. So we've all got to work out those practices and procedures in our offices. Uh, I've had no one ever tell me they refuse to wear a mask. Uh, I've had a few visitors actually, uh, and we've had them fill out the, the self uh, the health check form. Uh, and when they've arrived, they've all had masks on. And I honestly haven't felt at risk uh, to any extent at all um, throughout this process. So that's just my experience. Each of you has different experiences. I know I've heard some stories about so-and-so not wearing a mask and, uh, you know, I don't, I don't condone that. And if I learn about it specifically, uh, I'm happy to follow up on it because uh, it's, not a, it's not really a personal choice. What the choice you're making is affecting others. And that's, that's unfair in my opinion. So we got to protect one another and, uh, and do the right thing. Well, we appreciate the information today of just starting the planning process of, of doing this. And I think uh, that, that helps a lot. So. Great. Well, thanks again, everyone, for joining us today. And let us know what questions and concerns you have. Absolutely. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Have a great weekend.